Campers, welcome Napalm in the morning. Oh yeah! Uh, wow, it's it's good to be back, and we are hey, here hey, in hey. studio, two thirds of us at least. Uh, Doctor J, uh, I guess we're both Doctor Js, aren't we? So we are. <laughs> um, um, you call him Doctor Jones. Uh, you call, you him, call Dr. him Doctor Jones, Jones doll. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Matt here. Um, let's let's say hi real quick. Uh, Troy, Troy, you're with us. How you doing? Yes, I am. How you guys doing? Good, good. Far out, man. It is groovy. Groovy. Today. Is it the music that's inspiring <laughs> that uh, little sentiments, Troy? It couldn't wait. What are, but, yeah, what are we doing that's here, part here of it. Well, today we are going to uh, take take a bit of a take that left of the fork in the road, and we're gonna we're gonna hit up a film that, on the surface, might not have a ton to do with Vietnam, um, but I think it has a good amount to say about the era and, uh, you know, kind of what's going on at home, and that's the film Easy Rider. So, um, Eric, do you want to tell us who's... Give, give us the full one on the, uh, on, on the uh, actors and every, everything. You got that? Yeah, so um, we're covering Easy Rider. We're going to justify this, uh, this film, which does not mention the Vietnam War, but um, uh, it's a, it's a no film perhaps captures a, a time and a place um, more successfully than this film does, and it's set squarely in, in the counterculture which which frames a lot of the, the a lot of the filmography about the Vietnam War and then especially the kind of right. response resistance. So I think we we'll we'll make our case for this movie. We but. will. And later films that deal specifically with Vietnam are certainly influenced by this this film, just in terms of like filmmaking and uh, and and whatnot. So um, I mean, I mean, one could argue you'd be an insane person, but that m- even more than Rambo two. This movie deals squarely with issues. In yeah, a fool might do that. Fool. Um, what a fool believes. But this movie, um, <laughs> Troy, Troy, you're not making that argument, are you? Troy's nodding. He's making that argument. <laughs> no. <laughs> Football, but because Troy is a man of finer tastes, Uh-oh. beer uh, <laughs> somehow became tequila, oh. Grand Marnier, and grapefruit juice. <laughs> Matt with the drops. Uh, <laughs> what was that from? Oh, do you want to want that? that one more time? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Here, here you go. Football, but because Troy is a man of finer tastes, beer uh, somehow became <laughs> oh. tequila, Grand Marnier, and grapefruit juice. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Is that what you got there, Troy? It's pretty close, we, yeah. Uh, Matt, Matt got us a pretty little close. special uh, straight from the, uh, straight from the uh, Southeast Asia. That's right. Um, we're drinking Tiger beer. You tell us, Troy. Are you drinking Tiger beer? Nice, nice. Yep. The uh, Singapore. That's right. The, uh, 
See, there is really good Southeast Asian content, and you can get more of this uh, at Northern Illinois University. So if you, uh... <laughs> right, right, come here, get a degree, and yeah. you get Tiger Beer and uh, and learn some things about Southeast Asia. Exactly, exactly. Tiger, Tiger Beer, Tiger Balm. Um, we'd there like to remi- we like to remind our listeners we've had some <laughs> we've had some tweets. If you want to hear Troy Fisher give one of my favorite stories, and I was there, but it's hard. I I love it every time. If you want to hear him tell the story of Tiger Ball in Southeast Asia, tweet at us. Um, are you looking forward to telling the story? Are you scared? Is it traumatic, Troy? I, well, here's the funny thing. The funny thing is I went to Walmart today. I was looking to buy some trees. That's not the funny thing. But the funny thing is I saw your sister and brother-in-law, and they brought and she brought up the Tiger Mom story like at Walmart. And I'm like, okay, so I guess I'm going to have to tell it sooner or later. So Word your version of, of the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we did they, have, they enjoyed uh, it. <laughs> One, uh, I don't, I don't have my uh, Twitter page up actually. So sorry, I'm, I don't have your handle in front of me. But thank you for the uh, yeah so, for the Tiger Bomb. So, vote. so tweet at and, us um, if you want Troy to tell that story. I think we're getting up there. We need four more. The critical mass. Um, we're getting close. So <laughs> at at Napalm Podcast on Twitter. Yeah, we'll remind you again at the end. But this is so so Easy Rider. Um, yeah, it's this iconic film. Um, directed by Dennis Hopper. Um of uh apocalypse now um you know fame um of course uh, of easy rider fame directed and star peter fonda and speed and and speed what else is he yeah no he um speed was right up my alley that's me like man middle school high school early high school it's a great film so. Does, did they mention vietnam in that one did we do speed you guys <laughs> well they didn't mention it in this one and we're doing it so, yeah, so. <laughs> Um, I mean, they took speed in Vietnam, but I don't think the movie <laughs> relates to Vietnam. You make a fair point. Um, and, uh, I mean, the, what's crazy is that this film, you know, Dennis Hopper was about to go and be a teacher. He was about to try to quit. At, like, Peter Fonda wasn't the Peter Fonda, you know, you would, you would come to know. And one Jack Nicholson, also, you know, right. newish um, on the Hollywood And he was scene. about ready to yeah. work in, like, production and stuff. Yeah, yeah, to, to not to, to not tread the boards. And um, so this film launched uh, not only an entire sort of genre of, um, of films that were, that were geared towards, the, towards youth that, that weren't bad. Um, yeah. Weren't cookie-cutter nonsense. They didn't talk down to them. Yeah. They weren't like, you know, fucking beach blanket bingo or, right. you know, those kinds of films either that, 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 that captured kind of um, youth culture. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little out of the loop. I don't know if any films are doing that today. Um, it's hard to imagine. <laughs> but we're not youth. So <laughs> we're not the youth. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so, so easy rider and we'll, we'll say a lot more about the, um, about how it's made. And I think Matt's got a bunch of, uh, done a bunch of research, um, on that, but it, this landmark counterculture film, really a touchstone for this, for this generation. Um, you know, many people, I saw an interview with Tarantino and he was just like, you know, this is like, this is like a top five kind of film. If you want to capture, um, kind of a moment in a, in a, mm-hmm. in, 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 in an era, like this is one. Yeah. Um, um, so this is made in 68, 1968 and released in 1969. And would now be a good time to just give a little bit of backstory on what's going on in, in Vietnam. Yeah. Um, 
Real briefly, just to sort of set a little bit of context what's going on over there, and, and, and uh, that'll give us a little bit of a frame of reference to discuss what's going on uh, at home. Spoiler, it's not going well. No, it's not. So let's, let's pick it up um, post-Tet. Uh, we've talked about Tet in a couple other uh, episodes here, so I won't, I won't rehash, rehash what Tet, uh, the Tet Offensive was and the impact of it, but kind of you know following Tet and the aftermath of Tet, um, there is a little bit of a push and pull within the Johnson administration. Should we, Westmoreland, General Westmoreland, who is um, head of MACV in Vietnam, uh, is requesting, you know, expanded reinforcements, um, an additional 206,000 troops. So, you know, we have almost 600,000. Um, this is kind of, you know, peak yeah. uh, for, for deployment of soldiers in Vietnam. And so the request is for additional 200,000. So, I mean, you know, that's, you know, be over 750,000, you know, close to 800,000. And, uh, and the way, and the, we're at, we're at the wave of disenchantment is, is about to peak. Right. I mean, yeah, 68. And, and again, as I think we've talked about before is, you know, just so chaotic, uh, in American history for so many reasons. Um, Martin Luther King assassinated, uh, Robert Kennedy, uh, as well. The uh, democratic convention in Chicago, you have the like fracturing of the Democratic Party, like kind of live on TV, um, as Democratic Party police officers are beating up kids who are also Democrats, yeah. and you can like just you're just watching that the party break in half, and uh, so yeah, uh, Clark Clifford goes to uh, Vietnam, uh, Secretary of State going to Vietnam to, uh, or excuse me, Defense, and going to Vietnam to study the situation, make a recommendation, and uh, he he. After three days, he determines and says to Johnson, there's no clear way to win. And so this influences Johnson to not actually go th- forth with that additional 200,000 troops. Um, and and, and, the, and the, the Secretary of Defense and the military is, is transparent with that, right? They advertise that loudly in 1968 that there's no way to win this war. Or am I getting that wrong, Matt? <laughs> well, I mean, the tune, I mean, Johnson shifts from you know, escalation to de-escalation to negotiation. And I mean, to his credit, he does work sure. to negotiate for the remainder of his presidency, which is going to end, you know, in January of 69. And um, I guess I was making a little Pentagon Papers joke. I mean, yeah, they, you, yeah. know, you know, they're not going to, um, they're not going to, they're going to internally looking back, you can see that they have shifted gears and are, are starting to draw down. Yeah. Um, but uh, they're not saying that out loud. Right. But I mean, Johnson, I mean, he's, you know, there is still the ever-present concern of provoking Russia or China by continued escal- escalation in Vietnam. They're still concerned of Vietnam becoming like Korea and getting China involved with it. Uh, and then yeah. increased protests at home. Johnson, you know, he's not a moron. He's aware of them, right? And it's this increased pressure that over, you know, several years has been, you know, kind of ramping up. Um, all these things sort of combined, um, uh, all this kind of in the aftermath of Tet, Lee Johnson to, you know, announce, you know, he's not going to run for re-election and he is going to work toward, call, calls the bombing halt, work toward uh, negotiations. Um, so uh, that's, you know, going to, you know, real quickly, that's going to carry us through. But, um, you know, the United States is still really the main force in, in South Vietnam. Um, there, you know, there's about a million in the South Vietnamese military. Um, but, Again, I think we probably talked before about how sort of chaotic and unstable that that whole situation is. There's not is much there. holding it together. Um, 
Yeah, but you know, a third revolving, of the forces revolving door. Yeah, uh, in terms of yeah. uh, administrations, the United States is is about a third of the, all the forces defending Saigon um, are are Americans by early '69. Uh, by the time Nixon comes into office, so um, yeah, so uh, that's what's going on. So we get Nixon, you know, coming into office in in January '69. So new administration and his super secret, super duper secret plan to end the war. Uh, will be announced later that summer, uh, kind of right around the time the movie is released. So I won't tell you what that plan is. I think I already did on a previous episode. So go listen to the Nixon episode if you want more on Nixon and uh, Vietnam. So the so we've seen this in 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 some of the especially sort of the our disenchanted vet coming back and or born on the Fourth of July coming home. Um, but the but the the one thing that this movie. Um, I would say described by those in the counterculture, they liked this, they loved this movie. Um, the rise of the hippie movement, um, drug use, communal lifestyle. These are all part of, a, um, it's hard to overstate the changes happening in the sixties that were the, the way that 1969 was different from 1959 for, you know, American moms and dads yeah. and their kids. Or even five years prior. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, it's you know the the you've gone from I want to hold your hand to um you know tear down the wall, motherfucker, right? I mean, so uh, yeah, things have changed a lot in five years. Yeah, and so and so this this one of the things this movie um tries to do, and I think it it's pretty um I don't know it's by accident or by design, but it it without saying it 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 it's kind of um kind of nihilistically looks at the at 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 those counterculture movements and the sort of straight culture that it's, it's fighting against or resisting against. And, and um, it, would you call it a hopeful film, Troy, Matt? Would it, would, what's your, what's your, what's your take? We'll, we'll spoil it, but. That's, I don't, yeah, I don't see it as hopeful, but I mean, it's, I guess the it's theme mad. was yeah. freedom, but the, or, or the, the establishment being afraid of people that want, to be free they, they'd rather have you follow along the lines but uh these guys are on their choppers crossing the country and, <laughs> and uh, i guess that's free but there's a lot i don't know not so free either but constrained with yeah, drugs but. yeah and, and again we will spoil but i had i had not remembered the end and i was like oh yeah the, so so the the there there's some real question marks that the film leaves about like what what uh, what can be done? There's there's not there's not an easy bow that it puts on the straight and counterculture. No, um, but it is. Uh, I think the fact that it's made in '68, released in '69, uh, you know, it's significant because it's not. As Stroy was saying, you know, it's not hopeful, right? The hopeful period ended in probably '67. So '67 is the summer of love. By the time you get to '68, you know, the dead have moved out of the hate because it's being in you know, infested with junkies and runaways and like every, you know, the scenes already getting destroyed and um, it's being commercialized. They're, they're sending tours yeah. of housewives and, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> to, to, and on your left, you'll see children smoking marijuana. And, uh, you know, it's, they, they've already commercialized it by, you know, and, and just the scene is ruined by like 68. 16, especially 69 when you get into things like, you know, Altamont, which we talked about during the uh, really fantastic Losers episode. So check that out if you want more on Altamont. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I think, I think it's, 
it's 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 fitting that it's it's made it's it's a you know a lot of times art is done it does this right it holds up a mirror to society and it's just a reflection of of that society yeah. it's discussing it was so, made at the perfect time for sure yeah 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 and it and it's and it's crazy how this film so there there are, there there are many films that say like oh they you know they're they do this job of artistically holding up a mirror and and portraying a culture or a, a subculture um but often those are outsider films or only appreciated later um this is a film that's worth mentioning that uh it's made for um it's had the figure half a million. Um, I think it was three hundred sixty thousand. Yeah, like yeah, like three or four hundred thousand. Yeah. Like not a lot. Three fifty, and uh, it makes uh, it makes sixty million dollars. Yeah, yeah, it's an independent film that is uh, picked up by the studios, and this is another thing that you know some people could be critical of the movie for is it, it began the sort of mad rush of the big movie studios to be like, aha, we can make money by. Um, by making films and, you know, with, with the message to the youth of today. Uh, so, I mean, like, right on the heels of this, you get, um, or, you know, what, uh, what uh, Midnight Cowboy, um, uh-huh. uh, Little Big Man, you know, things like that are coming out pretty soon afterward that are, quote-unquote, like, indie-like films um, and that are, made and distributed by these major major studios to make a lot of money and they a lot of them do and, we, and, we, and we've you know we've all went to listen to interviews on this like no one expected this film to to do anything like it was no it was a, especially peter fonda's dad henry fonda <laughs> he was like uh yeah what i don't understand this at all yeah he he poor poor peter with uh with with jane and <laughs> or poor henry with peter and jane yeah he must have been uh uh Kind of, uh, kind of off kilter there. His, um, well, so let's get into the, let's get into the, do it. the, the, the movie. So it, I mean, again, one of the things that I like about this is that it does not treat you as the, as the viewer, like, um, you know, it doesn't give, give you answers. You just have to kind of figure stuff out. So we're the opening scene, like two bikers pull up to, um, to a Mexican bar and, and it's all, it's all in Spanish, no subtitles. Um, I will say on some uh, some kick-ass custom custom choppers, you see a lot of bikes go through uh, Cody, Wyoming, there, Troy. What did you? How do you? How do you rate these choppers? You got a few yourself. Uh, yeah, they're nice to look at. They're cool, but they're not comfortable at all. They're like just like riding on a two by four. But other than that, I mean, they're they're definitely cool to look at. And I think they even old, mentioned old the fact man, that man square Troy. Oh, they're not cross. They mentioned bikes. the fact they. No, they're not a cross country yeah. bike, but they looked they looked awesome, and they were actually only going in the movie twenty five miles an hour, so they could get the you know the scenery in the background. But uh, yeah, they yeah. were having some I, issues I, even I'm, going over the bridges. I'm teasing you, but I I couldn't help but think like how how terrible you would hurt after riding all day on that on that goddamn no. bike. I mean, I can say they look awesome, but yeah, trying to ride them across country that's a whole other thing. We'll put in some clips from the. The, the soundtrack that was pretty iconic here. Um, this is uh, Steppenwolf's The Pusher. Um, can you think of a better soundtrack? Uh, how did they get... Pretty amazing. Yeah, no, I can't, really. Yeah, true. Yeah. 
This is the, according to Dennis Hopper, at least the first film that uses found music as the soundtrack. So found music as in like... It wasn't written for the show. Right, it wasn't written for it. So like he's just, he's essentially using his record collection or what's on the radio to be the soundtrack for the movie. And so this is supposedly the first time this is ever done. And uh, yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're, how did that Matt, you maybe you know Matt how did that work with getting rights to play the song did they have were they friends they, they, they paid, paid a lot of money guys? no they didn't pay them a lot did, did they, they paid them like I think a thousand dollars each or something like that it was some, oh, I, thought, it, I thought it was a big it was, wow. really, it was a really low number yeah I don't, wow that's awesome don't quote me on that amount but it was a really low amount and they just paid them the money and then they said okay cool um we I'll, I'll save the Dylan story for later toward the end of the movie when it comes up, but that's that's a little bit more, a little bit of a different one. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I think these are these are these are a lot of these people are like hanging out with Dennis Hopper and Peter Fonda, so you know, <laughs> they like you know that's work that works out. Yeah. Right, right, right. It's like hey, asking your buddy, could we play your uh, could we play your song on the um, so this um, the, we've got that we had the Pusher Man playing there because um. You can put two and two together. Uh, they um, they're buying some uh, some some cocaine in uh, in Mexico, and they're putting it in their um, motorcycle batteries. Um, and a sweet Mexican guy with a bolo tie comes and gives them samples some cocaine, and um, and they're going to smuggle it across the border. Um, and then, and then my mom thought he was uh, really really quite nice and like jovial as a drug dealer. <laughs> uh, and I, I was wondering, it's like, oh, if you've been watching too much Narcos or something. Yeah. Matt had a father, son, yeah, um, father, father, mother, um, son, father, son, daughter, mother. He's with his mom. Matt watched little this mother, little father. Did you watch wow. this with Linda and Al, Troy? Later, I just wanted to preview it first, and then uh, we'll watch. Uh, <laughs> it it would have been great to get Al to call in on this movie. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, kids with their acid rock. Yeah. I would say. So, um. The the then then a great scene if if you love sunglasses like I do um there's an awesome Phil Spector uh, in his better days yeah pre yeah. pre murder Phil Spector <laughs> right yeah allegedly the wall um, the wall of sound Phil yeah Spector. right before he started ruining Beatles albums and uh, yeah <laughs> he's got these like uh, killing people yeah exactly pizza pizza pie sized uh, Ray Ban shooters yellow uh, Matt's got a pair of those uh, yeah. um that that he that he wears he's he's buys he buys drugs from the uh, you from, like those Troy from Dennis just just not along all right <laughs> yeah they okay. look they look amazing <laughs> um <laughs> thanks a lot Troy <laughs> I thought that was yeah they thanks for shitting on that huh sorry there. shitting on your podcast okay <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was Correxa, Yes, <laughs> yes. I thought that was Mike Nesmith throwing the monkeys when I first saw Phil Spector in the car, and then I'm like, oh wait a minute, and that was actually his um, his car too. So they like, hey, it worked out great. Yeah, free for them, car so. and free. Uh, Phil came with like a bodyguard, and so like, oh, so we don't have to pay that guy to be in the movie. So that's good. Um, and Phil yeah. probably just did it to get the free cocaine to snort. So. You guys, I but found... I guess Peter Fonda said that it was the Mexican stuff was powdered sugar. I don't want to ruin it, but I just did. So it's he said it burned quite a bit when he snorted the powdered sugar. So <laughs> maybe that was his part. Phil probably demanded the real deal. He he might have got the real deal. That's true. 
I found I found out you guys from uh, from friend and optician that I asked him about these because he makes glass lenses. I'm like, you seen the gl- lenses in this movie? They're amazing. He's like, yeah. Before everything was cat eye because plastic had just came out as like a a lens making material. So a glass lens, you could not make it that big. It would be it would weigh like a hundred pounds on your face, like. So, so like plastic lenses and everything with those those tiny little cat eyes, mm-hmm. and and then suddenly in the sixty eight late sixties, like plastic explodes and they make lenses out of them, and so you can have giant, you know, like think like Elton John. We get to right. like enormous, like so these the crazy, um, uh, the crazy glass culture. Oh, interesting. Um, One real quick fun fact: as the uh, planes are flying and landing at uh, where. It- this LAX. Yeah, or, yeah, they're they're right at the, the this the drug deal is taking place like right at a maybe where is this airplanes LAX are landing or San Diego or wherever LAX, it is. Probably, yeah. yeah. Um there's a train that uh train tracks are right there next to the cars too. And while they're filming this, it, which is not did not got cut from the movie, but uh a train rolls by with towing um a bunch of tanks on their way to Vietnam. They did not want to have uh an explicit reference to Vietnam in the in the film, so they cut that out. Yeah, like 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 race, um, Vietnam will be treated as a as an um, an assumed character almost that you you know it's there, you know what's going on. They're not gonna, um, yeah. I mean, I think it's one of the interesting things of the, the way the film does both of those things. It doesn't. Um, do you think? Do you think it's because they thought that would like that would immediately make this a Vietnam film rather than a counterculture film? Or I think people just kind of try to read into it like. What are they saying about the war? Um, where they were didn't want that to distract from the story that they wanted to tell. Is my my sort of right, take the, on the, it. so um, yeah? I, mean, I never thought about this, but in some ways, these guys have like they're not even protesting that. Like they have they have unplugged. They are just out. They have they're not they're not or or against. Um, they're just well, right? Yeah. To jump ahead, like a couple scenes, like before they start taking yeah. off on their hogs. You know, it's sort of a stupid little thing, but you know, he like takes off his watch and chucks it on the ground, and they have the quick zoom in on the can on the watch, you know, and yeah, that's like ooh, symbolic time. No matter, no no longer means anything to these guys. Whoa, <laughs> um, yeah, and so and so, but we're, before that, there's a quick important part that we should mention. Yeah, go ahead, Troy. Yeah, I mean, in the in the uh, scene, they 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 are putting money into a like a plastic tube and then putting the tube into the, the Captain America gas tank, the, right. the red, white, and blue flag, you know, gas tank. And the symbolism behind it from what I've done little research of, it, it basically was talking about retirement and money. And, and the big theme was yeah, the big um, score. fucking the flag, fucking the flag with money. Like, uh, and uh, meaning, you know, yeah, it's what we, 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 live to work and try to hopefully someday retire and uh that's that's what i took from it, so yeah right and i think they've, they've stated explicitly this was meant to be a metaphor right like that that that's quite a like a symbolic peter fonda was talking about that that that's the symbol behind it right putting the money into the tank the american flag right is um, when i saw it i was like oh your money's gonna have gas all over <laughs> no that was, was sealed up baby I was thinking, he put a cork i was saying it was gonna well, I thought the same thing. I thought the plastic would melt in the gas and it would get all. Yeah, I was concerned. I was concerned. You don't think they tested this beforehand? Come on, these are bright. <laughs> these are guys. They they're all. These are men of science. Um, and so one of 
part of the, the I mean, the cinematography, so there's some like pretty amazing, the entire film is not, you know, it's, it's an avant-garde film that we'll talk about some of the sort of really interesting ways that it, you know, uses like, um, smash cuts and, and, and music and editing to, to sort of portray sort of chaos. Um, but the, these, this, this, they drive, they're headed to, they're headed to New Orleans. They're headed to, to Mardi Gras from LA. So they're riding across country. And, um, yeah, I mean, it is just a beautiful, um, you know, you get these, if you've ever, if you've ever done it, take that, take that route through, you know, uh, uh, California, yeah. New Mexico, Arizona, mm-hmm. like Southern Utah. It's just gorgeous. Like, yeah, there's some Monument Valley definitely scenes in there, really yeah. amazing. Yeah, it looks really good. And uh, like they're just filming this from like the back of a truck, you know, essentially. Yeah. Uh, just driving in front of the bikes or next to the bikes. And, and the one thing that was I was thinking is like, if you, this would not have worked as well with, you know, music like this is is along with the ride and you're kind of like you'll you'll spend three or four or five minutes like just riding with them looking around like almost like a music video and you're yeah. not you're not like okay get the it it, uh, it uses music and and um, it, it takes it that, that pacing is really done right. well. should i talk real quick about the soundtrack yeah. um the so the the plan was for crosby stills and nash to write the soundtrack for the film and uh, supposedly you know after the film was done made hopper had kind of prepped it and put in put in the songs that we see in the final film in some places that he liked them as like an idea that might work and but you know kind of placeholder he, right placeholder spots he wanted csn to come in and uh and this is so 68 so this is their, their first album isn't even out yet it doesn't come out since 1969 um come in and write the soundtrack for the film and, they, and so they come in to screen the film and uh, Hopper says well uh, do you want me to leave it in with the, the music in or do you want me to that I've already put into it or do you want me to play without it and they said yeah play, play with what, what you have in it you know? and they watch the film and they say we're not going to get to do better than that we'll just keep what you got there and I think it works I think it's great oh, the, yeah, I'm awesome me being a selfish person would have loved an additional Crosby, Stills and Nash album, but um, you know, oh well, I can't get, can't always get what I want. You can't always get what you want, but if you try, sometimes you can get Jimi Hendrix. If six was nine, um, this is an example. And it's of- great, and he's still alive. I'm just like when you we were watching this movie, like he's still he's still around when this this songs. It's not like they took it later post. You know, but he, he, that, I don't know. I loved it. Yeah. yeah no, I think right. These, these the were, fact- these were like the big hits. Like these were, yeah. yeah. yeah that they're, uh, or the big artists that, that are, that are out there. So yeah, that's probably, you know, I guess if I was CSN and I'm like, oh, six was nine was a little old. That was 1967. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's exactly like, ugh, it's like practically yeah, it's so, old, so passe. It's oldie. Yeah. It was, it, was a, it was a year old this film was made. It's garbage. Um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, th- there's some. So we get, well, we get them initially, they're trying to stop at a little motel and the, and the <laughs> dude turns on, like they drive up and. No, they were drive up <laughs> and they fucking like revving their right. engines and screaming. Like, Hey, Hey man. Like, yeah, wanna, we got a, we got a room. You got a room. And he's got the vacancy sign lit. And then he comes out, he looks at them and 
goes back in and turns on the no vacancy sign. <laughs> the, the the old the old man in me was like, "This not you asked for a goddamn hotel room." Like, I, I was like siding with the get off your bike and come the, in. The and, hotel owner, like, oh sir, yeah, are these guys going to kind of like Mary Mary and Joseph going to the end? It was like, yeah, there's no room in the end, so they just put the no vacancy sign up. Well, they did have long hair, and and, and, and uh, yeah, no, but I was thinking like you know. Uh, oh well, these people are gonna trash my room for sure. Um, no, let's have let's have no vacancy. So, um, yeah. I, I, I so they go camping instead, and this is when you there we first really get. I think they barely have have they even said a word up until this point. The first camping scene, I'm not sure that they have, aside from yelling at the hotel dude. But um, you know, you're introduced to the characters. Yeah. So Hopper is kind of like the energetic gung ho, uh, you know, super stoned, frenetic energy, yeah, guy, yeah. and then. Henry Fonda is like kind of the more chill, cerebral, also super stoned guy. Um, and, you know, there's some commentary that they're sort of based on uh, Dennis Hopper, sort of based on David Crosby and Peter Fonda is based on Roger McGuinn, both from the birds. Uh, and Dennis Hopper denies this. I think if not explicit, it has to be influenced because, you know, the fringe jacket, the hat. I mean, Dennis <laughs> yeah. Hopper, I mean, that's what like fucking David Crosby looked like in 1968 the hair uh, the mustache yeah i seriously when i first saw that i thought it was david crosby i i when i first saw it uh saw him on screen i'm like is that david crosby no it's uh, not but yeah that was yeah it's almost silly to not say like, yeah that's yeah very no. very very david crosby um there's a so they're they sleep under the stars um again old man and me was like oh that'd be uncomfortable but so the uh there's a, there's some scenes of them going through the Southwest one where there's kind of a blended American Spanish Spanish American family, the, like the dad seems to be Caucasian and the mom, right? Um, An older Spanish. older dad, yeah. older gentleman, right? And uh, there's like kind of a some blended, some maybe um, mixed mixed race. There was a, it was I don't know if they're trying to say anything there, but it was this uh, you know almost harken back to a, an older traveler, you know, time where, you know, if people showed up your house, you, you fed them, yeah. you helped them out, you know? Right. Well, yeah, they came to fix something on the bike. And, uh, so they have a, a interesting shot of, uh, Fonda and Hopper working on the, the wheel or the tire for the bike in the background while the, uh, farmer dude or his rancher, whatever he is, is, um, changing the horseshoe on the horse. Uh, and so it's like, you yeah, know, yeah, essentially just switching the fixing the wheel on the old or the new uh, style of transportation. He's a cowboy on a steel horse he rides. So, yeah. But I well, got well, I got a <laughs> kick out of this. The over I overanalyzed this a little bit because I thought, where's the air compressor? Where where's they're just they're in this bar, really makeshift barn. There's really nothing. I don't think there was any sort of electrical or any manual pumps. I, anyway, that was me going, well, where's the that's me think overthinking it. But sorry. <laughs> And get that back tire out of the, off of that rim. Yeah. I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's not that easy to change a tire on a motorcycle. But um, anyway, yeah. whatever. Well, Eric and I were commenting uh, yesterday or the day before um, that the you know the old man and the and the younger um, younger wife was uh, very you know kind of reminded us a little bit about uh, some of our travels and witnessing some things in Southeast Asia. So. Um, yeah, there was that energy of that age gap, right? The all the kids, um, the, the, yeah. They, there's they really don't make any commentary on it. They're just they don't like, like a lot of things. They leave it to the audience to like 
they don't. Yeah. Yeah, make conclusions. Um, but he Fonda's like like you had a really good pad, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, like really, man. This is like you totally, can chill the earth, bro. Like, yeah, he's, you can like do what you want when you want to do it, man. That's dope. <laughs> you you grow everything, man. You live off the land, man. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that made sense. Yeah, there was a lot of that. Um, do your own thing on your own time. Should be a lot of pro, a lot of yeah. procreating too, by the looks of it. That, well, that's yeah. what he does on his own time, I guess. Yeah, so. I guess you need kids to you work. Need, that you f- need you need field hands. Exactly. You need field. Yeah, you got to make your own. <laughs> Who's going to change those bike tires or horseshoes? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and so there's there's more great cinematography, and we got uh, now little birds. Um, wasn't born to follow. That's what... Yeah. And this this comes back later in the film too, so it's almost like the theme song to a degree for part of the movie. Wasn't born to follow. Yeah. So this is post Crosby Birds. He got kicked out in uh, 1968. Um, I'm, I guess it was drug related. He didn't show up. No, he, no, no. Because he it, well, a he's an asshole. B he was writing like stuff that was like way too out there for the birds to be able to handle. Okay. Stuff like Triad, which, you know, Jefferson Airplane covered on Crown Creation, and um, uh, a bunch of stuff that would end up on his first solo album and things like that. So he was, he was, he was ready for a split, and they were ready for him to be gone. I think mostly because he was an asshole, though. But, but you could definitely tell that they were friends with Roger McGuinn. I mean, they were just by the looks of the soundtrack. Like, uh, yeah. Yep. Had a big part in this. But we're treated to lots of lots of weed smoking around campfires, and they got a hitchhiker they pick up. Yeah, no, this will become a we get to we get the uh, the hippie dude hitchhiker um, holds out a thumb and um, they throw him on the back of the bike, and uh, I can't remember if they ask him where he's going or he's headed that direction. We'll find out that he is headed um, um, to a hippie commune. I have a question real quick. So the gas station where they fill up and uh, uh, the dude, the hitchhiker guy is like, I'll take care. I'll, I'll, I got this tank. You know, it's cool. <laughs> and uh, and then Dennis Hopper is like to Peter Fonda, like, yo, come over here. Like, yo, what the hell are you doing, man? He's going to see the money, dude. What? Are you? And Fonda, of course, like, yo, it's cool, man. It's cool. And uh, <laughs> And then the hitchhiker dude is like, uh, Fonda goes to give him a couple bucks or whatever, and Hitchhiker's like, nah, man, it's all taken care of. I'm like, well, I didn't, where, when did he pay? Like, I never saw him pay for any of this I didn't gas. see him like, pay either. Um, yeah. So, like, did he have, the like, fact that he's hitching? Okay. No, go ahead. He probably swiped <laughs> his credit card. <laughs> the fact that he's hitch- hitching a ride, first of all, like, ooh, he, he spent that dollar and 25 cents to fill those tanks up, you know, like, and he's like, it's on me, guys. You yeah, know, I know exactly. you're giving me a ride, but. Big spender. Just, uh, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like 10 cents or whatever, 20. I don't know what gas was then. Probably not very much, but on in, well, in that's motorcycle a, tanks, right? Like three, three gallons of gas. Anyway, he did a good yeah. job, but he kind of like, he acted like Mr. Moneybag. Like, yeah, hey, it's on me, guys. You know, so uh, took care of you. Like, hey, thanks. That's a good thing to do, though. You know, like you're hitching. No, it's not they're bad. they're it's driving. A, well, a good thing. You got to pay for the gas. I think that's fair. No, I totally agree. I just didn't see him pay but for he, it. So that's what yeah, I, yeah I, I, I didn't, you know, well, those dirty hippies, um, you know, the uh, so, so this this will be the, uh, you know, the next kind of big. I guess counterculture kind of scene that we'll see is the, you know, the hippie commune 
right? So the hitchhiker invites them to the commune where uh, they stay for the um, rest of the day. Um, how, why don't you guys give a uh, um, Airbnb rating of this, uh, of the hippie commune, uh, Troy and Matt? What, what's your, what would your feedback on the Airbnb for this? Uh, Dusty. Uh, I, I like crowded. it. I would have stayed there. I love the audience. Yeah, crowded. Hated the goat um, yeah. feces. There was. I did like how that the camera pan was amazing on this, where they were panning through the the commune to all the different. Yeah, there was. Oh, when they had I the camera they in a lot the of center. Up, yeah, they had. Yeah, they panned, panned around. That was pretty amazing. That was a beautiful shot. But uh, yeah, I wondered if they yeah. like had people running to like you know fill the behind the camera <laughs> to come around to their. Side. Well, these are. Uh, I think at least, if not entirely, almost entirely, all non-actors. They're just like you know, they just pulled them off the from street the hills from hills uh, in Topanga Canyon, with, and they and with they... a pretty major exception, Dan Haggerty. Okay, yeah, yeah, Grizzly Adams, <laughs> uncredited in the film, also, um, but uh, credited in real life. Um, he, uh, he, he. You know, he's the one. He saves one of the wrecked bikes and rebuilds it and puts it in like the chopper hall of fame or whatever. Yeah. The, that we're going to have to deal with the, what happened to the bikes at the yeah, end. That's, yeah. That's, that's they have another. some bike trouble guys. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so, so, uh, so let's, let's talk about the, they're kind of, you know, they're getting a little bit of the tour, you know, they both Fonda's got this girl that's I and him hoppers. I and a girl that's there, you know, it seems like a pretty free love sort of scene. Um, but then they get like kind of the tour from the hitchhiker that they, they that brought them there, and <laughs> he's pointing out some of the the kids that are just kind of haphazardly like chucking uh, seeds into the dirt and the dust there, and and uh, Dennis Hopper's like, uh, "Hey man, um, you ever get any rain here? You know, in, in the desert." And uh, <laughs> the guy's like, yeah, you know, not really. Like last year, yeah, like we had like 40 of these kids and, you know, they almost starved to death. So half of them left and, you know, they're rich kids from the city. And uh, and I think that's a pretty fair commentary on like a lot of the commune scene is like these are. Yeah, it doesn't idealize it. You're right. No, they don't. But what Fonda does, he's like, I think they'll make it, man. I think they'll make it. He's kind of the idea. I mean, their their leaders, the leader's name was Jesus. I'm pretty sure that they'll be fine. So, but uh, it's yeah. yeah. This is the, you know, these are the the children of 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 the suburbs or the cities. You know, almost all white, and you know, they're they're reading about this kind of shit in Rolling Stone or whatever, and then they have the, no idea yeah. what they're doing. No, they don't. They've never farmed. They don't know what they're doing. And the kids that they show on the screen farming, they don't know what they're doing either. And um, so it's not surprising that a lot of these like failed. It's this idea that the idea the idea of the commune is, has, you know, some things that are maybe appealing to it, but like the reality of how a lot of these things actually worked is different. I think today, like these things sort of still exist, um, but they're much better planned and and uh, you know people people what they're doing a lot more more so than the scene that's depicted on screen here yeah right but they could have they could have held it up as a you know an an ideal alternative to the straight world but it's it's a pretty nihilistic movie it's there it's not it's like well you know hopper's sort of that voice like 
these guys are right. Making. Well, and 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 one point the hitchhiker guy says to Hopper like, like uh, who who sent you or something like that. And and right then Hopper gets all bugged out and is like, we got to get out of here. It's dude. like a red flag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. The because... commune should have got some ideas from the blended Duggar family. They they should have maybe got together <laughs> and then they could have learned how to work the land. So. It's very but, Duggar uh, what you <laughs> describe here. <laughs> There's the notion of free love appears to be practiced, you yeah. know, so that's like right. uh, um, the, uh, the, uh, the two of the women, uh, Lisa and Sarah, um, you know, they share the affections of the hitchhiking commune. Um, it and- seems like the women are getting, and this would happen a lot in these communes too, the women are getting the shaft. It's still, they're still like upholding there's the patriarchal st- shit still, still transfers to these communes. Working, yeah, like yeah. doing and the dishes. The, effect, the affections and the infections. <laughs> hey oh. <laughs> God, uh, <laughs> hey, 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 Troy. Uh, what yes. do you what do you call the wife? Oh, no. oh boy. What do you call the Is wife? This a d- dad joke. <laughs> Here we go again. What do you call the wife of a hippie? I I could I could spoiler alert it, but I won't. What What do you call it? Mrs. Hippie. <laughs> hey, oh. <laughs> boom. Hey, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, the commune as a whole, though, I, you know, it's, I guess, symbolic of the, you know, tune-in, drop-out sort of culture and, uh, you know, for good or bad. Um, but that's going to lead us to those, those two uh, women I mentioned earlier. Need a ride. Uh, and, uh, hey, we got Lisa a couple. Lisa and Sarah. Got Lisa and Sarah. Sorry, yeah, I'm bad with the names. But um, I, uh, <laughs> I didn't even get Hopper <laughs> those names. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, We're lucky to have this. Is the I, I almost before before you get to the ride, like the this is the only shower that's taken in the movie. <laughs> no, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> is the what I, what I what I kept thinking about is like how you smell after you like are riding a bike or you're out like you're sleeping out yeah. in the like. I mean, Fonda's in those in leather the, pants the, the whole time in the south. Like, yeah. So this is this is. Market, uh, Peter other. Fonda. If if we get five likes, we'll have uh, Peter Fonda's uh, dead corpse uh, come tell us about a tiger bomb story that he had to had to use for his. Uh... <laughs> Troy will promise to wear leather pants the entire <laughs> week uh, before our next episode. Uh, so yeah, so they get a they need a ride out of town and they go head to uh, do a little swimming in the. Uh... A uh, little, little skinny dipping, and we get a little more, um, little more birds. I believe uh, wasn't born to follow. Yeah, no. There's uh, a- again, we, we we've said it, we've said it before, we've said it before, but um, this uh... yeah, and um, wasn't born to follow. Uh, we also get some, uh, uh, we get some LSD. Yeah, um, that's that's gonna come them, back later. So, yeah. uh, head commune guy. I don't know what his name is. Hitchhiker. Hitch- head hitchhiker. Yeah, he doesn't really uh, have a name. In the... When you get to the right place, the right people <laughs> order this. Maybe this is the right place, man. Yeah, but it's not. So they so they bail. Yeah. And so and so they're they're uh, again. They're on the on the pathway from LA to, to, to New Orleans. Um, they'll skip. They seem to jump over over Texas, um, which well, they're in Texas. Is, is this when yeah. the, and this scene happens? Okay. Yeah. Well, the um, I'm just thinking like the 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 
this is a, this is not a short drive. There's a lot of hours on, on a on a bike. Um, yeah. I mean, you'd be sore as fuck on that bike. Um, so they 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 go to this town, um, Main Street, USA. Yeah, that's right. And they uh, they crash a parade, which is kind of a dick move. Like, well, you know, they wanted to join the parade. Yeah, but it's one thing if they just wanted to like ride behind one of the floats, but they're like, you know, dicking with the like In the, 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 the drum the drum majorettes, yeah. and they're like. Um, and uh, and the cop um, pulls them over. Yeah, um, busted for uh, parading without a permit. Parading without a permit, man. This is Captain America. I'm Billy the Kid. What do you mean parading without a permit? Yeah, that was, that was pretty great. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can see that. But I think that was legit. I don't. I think that was. I don't think they got permission to be in this parade. I think this was actual footage. They just did it and. Hope for the best. I, I think it, or maybe, maybe, maybe it was set up. I. What are you guys? Are you? What are you guys aware of? On I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I doubt they had the like desire or ability to like get a full marching parade. I mean, that seems like something yeah, they, that they, would take a lot of effort. And they might have synchronized. I think. With, yeah. I think they pulled a bore at. I think they pulled a bore at and just got <laughs> in there and just decided just Gon- to see what Gonzo, would happen. Um, there will be a lot yeah. of parts of this movie were Gonzo. So yeah, we don't. If, uh, fans, if you know the answer to this, uh, hit us up. We'd like to hear. We'd like to hear. Was the parade real or not? Um, so they're uh, so yeah, they're in jail now. Yeah, they're thrown into prison, and then we get uh, Jack Nicholson. Uh, yeah, who's who's you know, you know, one of the great actors. Uh, he's there, the drunk uh, ACLU lawyer. Should I talk um, about who was originally uh, supposed to take this yeah, part? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so originally the idea was for uh, also a really good actor, uh, Rip Torn, one of my favorite names too, uh, Rip Torn. Oh yeah. Um, he was supposed to play this part, and let me, which, let, which would have been great. Let's let's hear Dennis Hopper tell tell what happened with that. So who else did you go through? Did you go through anybody like we would know now that, that sort of passed on the deal? <laughs> well. Yeah, Rip Torn. Oh, Rip Torn, he would have been good. Rip Torn He's like a crazy terrific. guy. Yeah, yeah. Terrific. Nobody would have been as good as Jack. No, Jack would. was great. Even that was the part. He was a little narrow-sighted. At yeah. The time. Uh, yeah, now, uh, Rip and I had a little uh, problem. We what kind little, of problem? Well, at dinner, he pulled a knife on me. He thought I was, <laughs> I was cutting oh. him out of the picture, as he put it. Uh, before, we were just writing, and at the time, he decided that the script wasn't really Now, is that correct. the best way to settle an argument with the director? If he's cutting, I mean, if he cut you out of the picture before, Somehow knifing the director seems like yeah. it would pretty much end Well, it was, it, was, uh, it was one way for me to say we're not working together. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So that's a version of what happened. We're led to believe um, from Hopper himself. So that's, that's in 1994 on The Tonight Show. Uh, what, what, what could I say? So let's, let's see here. So you fake, have fake news. You have A, the truth, and you have B, the opposite of the truth. And so that, that version would be B. Um, so after he said that on national TV, uh, Rip Torn sued him for defamation, uh, and won, I believe around $700,000, uh, more than the movie budget. So what actually happened? (laughs) So what actually happened? I, uh, if I have this correct, Troy, you may know too. Um, I kind of know, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hopper pulled the knife on Rip Torn, uh, And Rip Torn was, he was kind of reading the script. He was never like, you know, you know, 
signed up officially to do the part. Uh, and there was some argument about something, and Hopper, from what I saw, Hopper pulled the knife on Rip Torn, not the other way around. Is that what you got, Troy? I didn't get that part, but I the part I got was with the Jack Nicholson being an ACLU lawyer. The the film the they were having issues with bring putting that in the movie, even though like that was their they're not focused on all the drug references and everything else. They were like, I don't know if we should label him as an ACLU lawyer. That was that was what I had got. So that has nothing to do with what you're talking about. But there you go. All right. So the, just trying to help, but not the, really helping. But but uh, the. I guess Nicholson or, or Riptorn tells them about a brothel in New Orleans. And that becomes the sort of the focus of, yeah, man, where we're headed. Mayor Louisiana gave me this. It's the best whorehouse in the South. Yeah. That's not a bad Nicholson. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. That's pretty good. So uh, you said you got a helmet, man. Uh, <laughs> helmet. <laughs> Ooh, I have a helmet. <laughs> Puts on a football helmet. <laughs> Which is a pretty iconic. If you've seen posters of um, Easy Rider, there's a couple of them. One is the sort of the Captain Captain America, and the other one is the um, is the poster of Nicholson. Um, he is he is uh, in full in full Nicholson. Um, hold on, which one is it? It's uh, uh, if you want to be a bird. Yeah, and so he's he's uh, he's hamming it up. And he does a pretty amazing job in this. Yeah. What do we listen to, Matt? Uh, this, this is if you want to be a bird, be yeah. If you want to be a bird, this is and I don't. Actually... The Holy Modal Rounders. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's my one of my favorite bands. Man, they're amazing. Yeah, so he he stuff. wants to come on down. You know, so it'll take two or three days to get there and. I guess he can swing that. So, yeah, and so he he's he's a, he's a lot more unhinged than they are. He's out. There's lots of scenes of him being sort of. Um, if you want to see a um, presage to the Joker, um, <laughs> Nicholson's the Joker. There's a bit of a in bit the of real that guy. real Michael Keaton Batman. Yeah, yeah, in the the, the best Batman. Right. You know, everyone knows. Um, there's there's a there's a lot of that here. He's like. If you want to be a bird, he's you know got his wings. He's flapping on the back of the bike. Right. Uh, it's also interesting here. This is the first time Peter Fonda has worn his bike helmet in the movie. He has it sitting in the back behind him the entire time they've been riding thus far. Yeah, they're giving Nicholson a hard time, but you gotta have a helmet, man. Yeah, <laughs> they're not wearing helmets. Well, like, <laughs> well, Texas is known for their really strict helmet laws. I'm sure. So. <laughs> yeah, especially back then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So. Um, they, so they, that helmet was like Nicholson's helmet was kind of a post so that you had the in football back then you had the leather helmets and then you went to like a plastic open face. So there was no like that was a that was a football helmet he was wearing. Right. It was more yeah, of a. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like like a field goal kicker helmet or he I don't his, know. His you da- he had a story about that. his dad like in the helmet like something. Yeah. No, there was a like my 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 dad has pictures of these like. Of him in football, like no face mask, but the plastic helmet just on his head, like yeah, wouldn't no, seem like would do a lot. I, but um, there then then we're then we're off on the road again, right? And um, and then we get another camp scene. Yeah, there's lots of there's. Is this camp, our first Jack uh, camp scene with Jack? So there's going to be more dialogue now. You know, before the dialogue was mostly like, man, good weed, right? You know. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, there, there's, uh, you know, I like. Um, they still mostly talk about pot during the, these camp scenes too, but. Uh, well, they talk about they talk about they talk about they talk about a bunch of stuff like, um, you know, the, he Nicholson tries weed for the first time reluctantly. Here, let's listen to him. Here he is taking a big hit. What? Hopper. Who's that, man? What was? What the hell was that, man? Huh? No, man. Like, hey, man. Wow, I was watching this object, man. Like, <laughs> like the satellite that we saw the other night, right? And like, it was just going right across the sky, man. And then, I mean, it just suddenly, yeah, uh, <laughs> it just changed direction and went uh, whizzing right. Like off. every high person, <laughs> they talk about <laughs> UFOs. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, man. Hey, like I'm stoned, you know, man. But like, you know, I saw a satellite. And it was going across the sky, and it flashed three times at me and zigzagged. So you expect Hopper off. to be the like the crazy one here? It. But wait, <sighs> that was a UFO beaming back at you. <laughs> me and Eric Heisman was down in Mexico two weeks ago. We seen forty of them flying in formation. Forty? <laughs> they, 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 they have got bases all over the world now, you know. They've been coming here ever since 1946, when the scientists first started bouncing radar beams off of the moon. And they have been living and working among us in vast quantities ever oh. since. The he's been listening to Joe Rogan's now. podcast, right? Like, he's got... <laughs> yeah, is this Alex man? Jones or what? <laughs> well, you just seen one of them, didn't you? Man, I saw something, man, but I didn't see it working here. You man. know what I mean? Man. They are people just like us from within our own solar system, except that their society is more highly evolved. I mean, they don't have no wars. They got no monetary Imagine there's they don't no have leaders Because, I mean, each man. It's easy if you try. I mean, each man, because of their technology. No hell below us. To feed, clothe, house, and transport themselves equally and with no effort. Yeah, so. Kind of a Dale Gribble, Gribble, King of the Hill conspiracy theory kind of thing going on there. Oh, well, a couple couple things. Let me me say, uh, for one, uh, I was on Mushrooms and Glacier, and I saw uh, a UFO, so... So it's verified right there. Verified. Uh, yeah. Far uh, out, man. Yeah. <laughs> what you saw there was a UFO. Uh, but the the idea of um, UFOs like um, uh, the, the science fiction, uh, UFOs, the, this sort of stuff is is actually pretty big in within hippie culture. Uh, a lot of them read sci-fi stuff. Uh, and these ideas that like Jack, who's like the quote unquote straight one. I mean, he's an alcoholic, but he's, you know, he's not turned on. Right. He's, he's the straight one. He's talking about all this stuff. Uh, This is the first time he's tried his weed. Yeah. Yeah. So these ideas, why, why hippies liked a lot of the sci-fi stuff is because they talked about, you know, other planets where they don't have things like war or, you know, monetary systems or like leaders and stuff. And I mean, I think this is really, uh, probably for for our minds here um really best explained in in this album like blows against the empire this is uh paul Kantner, jeffrey starship and this is the first you know first mention of uh the word jefferson starship it's not the band the band jefferson starship doesn't of course as we all know start till 1974 um 
but uh, have they built a city on rock and roll yet? No, that's Starship. Okay, so that's a different band. Uh, <laughs> so this is nineteen. This is uh, released in nineteen seventy, and um, it's recorded at Wally Hyder and in San Francisco. So at the same time, you have the Grateful Dead recording American Beauty. You have David Crosby recording If I Could Only Remember My Name. You have Santana recording. You have Paul Kanner here um, recording uh, Blows Against the Empire. And, uh, you know, all these bands would, like, co-intermingle and stuff and, and talk about talk about life and talk about what this album talks about, which is about hippies hijacking a starship and starting a new community you know in some other solar system or whatever that's the story of the album right it's like a concept album um and so that's jerry garcia on pedal steel there um and so yeah you've got you've got everybody uh from from all those bands are, are on this album and it's really you know if i could have been a fly on the wall give me wally Hyder, 1970 uh to kind of hang out in the studios uh, in all those those three studios so there's three studios at Wally Hyder's and the airplane had one of them at full full time um, so this album would have been recorded in that one because Paul Kantner was you know, part of Jefferson Airplane um, so that's David Crosby and Graham Nash and Paul Kantner on the three part harmony there what about uh, Hey Mr. Spaceman from uh, The Birds from like 66 I love that song I yeah that yeah I mean it's like right and I and Crosby is super into the UFO and sci-fi stuff. And um, so the idea that a hippie like Hopper and Fonda, who are co-writers of the, of the script, um, would, would put that sort of idea in, the, in there is, is totally believable, right? It's, it, so this, this is the sort of thing that, that hippies and the sort of counterculture stuff would associate with. And, uh, yeah, so you can... Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the the again another another reason why I think that you know we mentioned that this film it resonates like the the counterculture sees this film and acknowledges film as like as like a legitimate you know work of art and representation. So this would have been another that had a foot in reality. Yeah. So this is not uh, music from the movie. I just thought it was uh, related because of that kind of sci-fi sort of aspect uh, and it's, it's a pretty cool album so check that out yeah and if you want to support the patreon for matt's uh, music podcast um hit him up he needs money to yeah pay for all i'd rather clips. rather talk about all that so <laughs> <laughs> so they're so they're they're on through the south and they they're 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 in louisiana i've never heard that song before i know like, oh no maybe it, <laughs> it seems weird that there's a there would be a country out al- country song in this album, Matt. Yeah, but wait, well, uh, birds are country, basically. Joint, my <laughs> it's a big one. Yeah, so this is playing as they're kind of heading, kind of into the into the deep deep south now. Yeah, those leather pants are. Uh, um, I'm getting more worried as as every mile. The one. They. Did you notice the the, the like sort of just dichotomy of the different houses that you're seeing there as they get into the deep south? Just seeing like these old like giant plantation era mansions, juxtaposed with like these like little shacks, you know, and it's, it's yeah, it's certainly like rich poor, black white, you know, it's it's sort of it's definitely, you can I mean you just see it there on the screen as they're riding by these houses. 
yeah, that, no, that that's a I've you know, been in New Orleans a few times, and like that, the 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 disparity in some of the just as you as you cross over neighborhoods, you see these like pretty crazy, um, black white you know shacks built on on nothing, many of which were destroyed by Katrina, unfortunately. But um, yeah, the the, the maybe consciously unconscious, probably consciously, like that some of the, some of the race commentary um is in is done visually here um yeah race and class uh that happens in in this movie um and then uh, a pretty a pretty amazing scene maybe one of the best in the movie happens in kind of kind of this sort of magic on the spot um right do you, i think i think you guys have both done a little looking into this scene about when they go to a local restaurant and the sort of the yeah, they've been riding for a while. They need a little the, break and a little lunch, maybe. The, the girls kind of start ogling them. These are, little, these are nice ladies from the South. Do I need to make a Matt Gates joke two weeks in a row? <laughs> I, I, think, I think so. Um, yeah, because they're, you know, maybe high school age. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah, it's uh, what the fuck is it with you? Yeah, they're, they're, uh, um, they're not old enough to be... Um, or grown men. How, how old are how old is Hopper and uh, Bond supposed to be? Do you think in this? I think Hopper's probably. No, I 30? never actually looked that up. He's probably about thirty. He he's, he's a little older than like a lot of the other guys in the scene. Bond would probably be a few years younger than him. It's probably just because his his hair and the like the like he, he looks like he could be sixty. <laughs> sort of the that uh, he's a little road hard, put up wet, but um. Yeah, no, this this scene it was it's a it's a great one. Um, maybe yeah. maybe maybe talk about it, and then then I'll then I'll play a clip from it. Yeah, Troy, why don't you you want to set the stage? I mean, you you I know you looked into some of the research behind the scene. Uh, I mean, I from what I saw that they they wanted they didn't want actors for this. They wanted people, local people, and they found Fuck them, sake, man, and they basically amateur. told <laughs> amateurs. <laughs> yes, they were amateur. Um, and they decided they they told them. Uh, that in the that we're doing a movie and and we in the movie we raped. This is something I don't want to talk. This is they're telling them things that aren't true. But they said in the movie they they raped a couple girls down the road, and so you guys can say whatever you want. And they just kind of let them go. And right. uh, they they sort of they sort of want that. like naked hatred from the well. They had already been raw. The locals had already been yeah. real suspicious and kind of talking shit about them beforehand. You and, ain't from around. And hey. so they, I think Hopper kind of heard that and he's like, no, I don't want any actors. I want these guys because they already hate us. Like, yeah. Yeah. So let, let's, let's listen in on the, uh, the diner. We've described, you know, these, these three dirty hippies roll in. You know what I mean? I saw two of them one time. They were just kissing away. Two males. Just think of it. What you think we ought to do with them? It's a sheriff. I don't never know, but I don't think they'll make the parish line. I don't think they'll make the parish line. Foreshadowing. Let's play. Yeah, that's a little taste. I mean, yes, it goes sir. on for a couple minutes. Like, I think the original version was it like twenty minutes or something, Troy? Like the original <laughs> diner. There's a lot. Yeah, there was a lot going on there for sure. That was just a small tidbit of what was said, but yeah, yeah. So they're they're like so. saying these antagonistic things 
pretending that they're just speaking to each other, these these local guys. Um, but they're saying it so loud and audibly yeah. that, of course, you right. know, they know Hopper, they Fonda, hear. Nicholson hear it all, and you know they can get the sense like maybe we're not really wanted here. One of my favorite lines is like, "Little bunch of refugees from a gorilla love in." <laughs> They've. Uh, I. I'd. I'd love to know if that was in the script or if that was what. Like. I don't think that nothing was scripted yeah. there. No. <laughs> no. Gorilla loving. Now, um, the girls are. The the Beatles might have well shown well shown up in Ed's old Sullivan Theater. I mean, they're just. They couldn't be more enamored. Um. Yeah, they follow them out the <laughs> out the restaurant, and they're ooh, nice bike. Can I get a ride and all this stuff and. And the local townie guys are, it's, that was a pretty funny line. The man is at the window. The man is at the window. The man <laughs> yeah, exactly. is at the window. We're going to get shot. <laughs> right. Yeah. So stop talking to the girls and let's just get out of here. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, they, they, uh, they, they take off and then we're at another camping scene, um, presumably somewhere in, in uh, New Orleans. Um, and, uh, and then we get some, we get some, um, let's listen to some of this, uh, this dialogue from the camping scene here. It's pretty good. You know, this used to be a hell of a good country. I can't understand what's going on with it. Man, everybody got chicken, that's what happened to Hey, we can't even get into, like, a second-rate hotel. I mean, a second-rate motel, you dig? Don't they think we're gonna cut their throat or something there? I'm like, they're scared, man. Oh, they're not scared of you. They're scared of what you represent to them. There you go. Amen. All we represent to them, man, is somebody who needs a haircut. Oh, no. What you represent to them is freedom. What the hell's wrong with freedom, man? That's what it's all about. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what it's all about, all right. But talking about it and being it, that's two different things. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's real hard to be free when you are bought and sold in the marketplace. Of course, don't ever tell anybody that they're not free, because then they're going to get real busy killing and maiming to prove to you that they are. Oh, yeah, they're going to talk prescient. to you and talk to you and talk to you about individual freedom. But they see a free individual, it's going to scare them. No, well, don't make them running scared. Yeah, that uh, Jack, in, in so many ways, is kind of the heart of the movie. And he, he spells out in language um, what I think a lot of the rest of the film is just sort of symbolizing. Yeah. Um, and... You know, it does a nice job of symbolizing a lot of this stuff, but having Jack there is that sort of, you know, verbal vehicle to, you know, it's it's sort of nice to actually have it spelled out spelled for the first out time. a little you bit, can put like, the for the together, first time. But yeah, like, exactly. Right, and, and, and it's easy for us with the benefit of hindsight and the lots of analysis that's been done on this movie and the interviews and, you know, you know, autobiographies and documentaries, like, so, you know, but, but yeah, the, the I, I'm glad, I'm glad it, it, it happens in here. Um, and, and, you know, we've been through some, um, um, trying political times in the United States recently. And, and right. some of this rings pretty true as well, you know? Of course. Yeah. Um, and, it's uh, this, in, in many ways it's the same, we're having the same fights we've been having since the sixties. I know when, when Troy and I go ride our motorcycles out in the South, we get 
same hassle? Who's that long-haired hippie? Um, well, I mean, I think here in, in 2021, things have, have mellowed a bit in that direction. But, like, uh, you know, yeah, 20 years ago, I mean, I had, I had long hair. And um, there, there, I mean, I got cross-eyed looks plenty when I was, like, traveling around the country. Um, and, yeah. you know, nobody attacked me or, um, or anything. But you could tell you're getting some side-eyed looks in a lot of places. Um, and the sign said, long-haired, freaky people need not apply. Nice. Oh, see, we don't even need the clip. Just Troy will, Troy will jukebox it. Um, <laughs> there you go. I'll riff. Troy. I'll scat. Don't ever do that again. They, right after this speech, um, you know, uh, it comes you know, right on the heels of it. Yeah, well, they uh, go to they bed. Fall, they go to bed. Yeah. And then uh, the yokels follow and um, beat them in their sleeping bags while they're, while they're asleep. And, uh, yeah, what happens, boys? Well, Troy. Uh, break the news. There's, like, death and stuff. People <laughs> die. Yeah. Jack gets it. And um, for, for a movie that's, like, you know, really on having uh you know kind of good music to sort of accompany what's going on i thought i thought they maybe missed an opportunity uh post jack's death um by being bludgeoned in the head with a baseball bat um to maybe play this hello darkness my old friend that'd be two on the nose was it two would it be two on the nose maybe that's why they didn't Definitely, he definitely got on the nose and the craniums. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, um, but Jack, Jack Troy, is the only that one that's. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> Jack. So Jack's the only one that is killed. The other guys are just, yeah, you know, wounded pretty badly. But Jack's the only one that's killed, and I think. Now I don't know, Troy. Did you did you see anything on this? Um, kind of like why why Jack and and not the other guys? I, saw I think the 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 way I took it is he he was really the one that could speak for the masses, and they figure like if they find Jack dead, they'll blame it on the two dirty hippies. So that I think that's kind of why they took him out. Yeah, is the way I understood it. Right. It it's I th I think that's like probably half the idea and then and the other half you could see it as so jack is he, he's from their world right he's from the straight world quote unquote straight world and you know him that him getting killed is a you know i guess a message to other straights to stay stay straight don't yeah don't, right don't this, veer this off what the happens path. when you transgress right and then also i think also it's yeah you know those friggin' dirty long hairs um they're very dangerous and you know that's you know, a big part of sort of the reputation that some circles had of, of, of hippies, you know, at the time. Especially in a post-Manson world, which I guess is not till 1969, but. Yeah, it's, it's worth, speaking of Manson, it's worth noting this is his favorite film. Um, is that right? He would, get, he, he would get, he'd give this 10 dong. But, well, that was, I've, <laughs> I've, I've said too much. Um, but um, Two thumbs up from Charlie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you want to, let's message him. Yeah, he, it was his favorite film. Uh, uh, and uh, another fun fact: um, 
Neil Young recommended uh, some of his him to uh, one of the I forget who it was Melostine or somebody to uh, to get a record recording contract. <laughs> as as he talked about as as Young talked about that like yeah a little bit like they weren't like friends but they like crossed paths a few times he was mostly cro- closest with Dennis Wilson like he lived with Dennis Wilson for a little while of the uh, Beach Boys. So um, anyways yeah the they they. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Hopper, Hopper, and Fonda are able to shake it off pretty easy because they go to a brothel. Um, yeah, their uh, wounds have healed pretty quickly. Yeah, no, there's like a little like purple makeup on, under the eye, but they've, uh, um, they've yeah, they have in. a nice dinner. Um, and they got uh, little electric prunes playing in the background while they're having a little wine and a little, uh, little, little nosh there in Narlands. Yeah, they, they, uh, they have, um, this this is in like a uh it's in some funky cathedral this uh this this brothel I'm I'm guessing it was I think this was actually in um like LA area this wasn't in New Orleans the interior of this building Yeah it's very it's very the It's oh, really it's crazy beautiful like a beautiful yeah. beautiful like catholic type cathedral with you know paintings and, yeah I was yeah, it didn't look like a brothel, but hey, whatever the theme works. No, well, it's an upper class one. I mean, Troy, I know you usually go to like, kind of, you know, your, you know, your, yeah. you're, you're more of a low budget guy. You're, you're like truck, the buffet truck stop, sort of thing, stop, like, uh, yeah, like China buffet, like eight dollars all you can eat. Um, there you go. So, same, same. They uh, they visit a brothel. Um, you know, uh, a little fun fact. Uh, Tony Basil of Oh Mickey, mm-hmm. You're So Fine. You want to sing it, Troy? No, oh, I, I was excited about that. So. She's one. So she, she's one of the sex workers. And is it Karen Black's the other one? I don't. I didn't have that in my and notes. She's but. in Five Easy Pieces with Jack, which comes out in 1970. So there's there's a, definitely the New Orleans section of this will be um, very um, LSD and, and acid. Well, yeah, let's see how they get out there. Like, um, Hopper's, you know, all into, hey, man, let's go. You know, hey, let's let's have some sex, all right? You know, <laughs> and Fonda, of course, he's got to be, like, Mr. Mr. Laidback, chill, like, you want a drink? Buy a drink? You want a drink? Shit, you know. <laughs> uh, why don't we get outside, you know? And they go outside, and then they're on the streets of Mardi Gras, right? Yeah, and 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 this looked total Gonzo. Like this looked like them wandering around. Um, yeah, it was them wandering around. And and it was that's how they got the movie started. Was they they actually gave everybody cameras to do this. They figured, well, it's Mardi Gras. Everybody's in costumes. Let's just do it, and then we'll give it to. We'll see if we can make a movie. Is is the way I from what information I got. So yeah, it's de- totally Gonzo. Right, it's definitely. There's everybody. Nobody, no actors in this. So they've all got just cameras. Got cameras. Um, yeah, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, it rains for a while, and like some of them just kind of like left their cameras out, so like water got all like into the film <laughs> and stuff, and partially exposed. So that's why it looks like it does because it just was exposed to water and like and and stuff, and so it looks really really cool. Like they did it on purpose, but they didn't. It was just because <laughs> they didn't know what the hell they're doing. And and this film will be credited for and the and the way that this scene these scenes are cut and um you know kind of ex- like mm-hmm. and, and the exposure will 
will influence a lot of a lot of filmmaking in the in the United States, especially. Yeah, and it had been influenced by foreign films that right. have been doing this stuff already. But and I'm not a film historian, so I'm not going to even attempt to pretend that I know. But like I know right. Hopper was watching French a cinema lot. Right. has done this. Yeah, right, right, right. So a lot of the odd cuts or like sort of jumpy sort of cuts and 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 things like that that become more common later in, in later in the seventies. They're they're used to great effect in this film, uh, because it's New Orleans. They've they're in a, a graveyard. You know these are the uh, above ground, above ground, above ground kind right. of cool, right? Um, Which gives a graveyard an entirely different sort of feel. Oh yeah. Oh, um, I was I was totally thinking that it's this it's this maze. Yeah, and like it very uh, much spookier than a than an actual normal grave graveyard. Normal. You're just normal, man. <laughs> then an in-ground, you know, uh, you know, an in-ground like a pool, a six-foot under graveyard. Yeah, a, a, an in-ground, an in-ground pool is supposed to be an above-ground pool. Yeah, this is better. The, better is an in-ground, but um, okay. And above-ground is scary. well, it feels much more claustrophobic, especially after remember those the acid that they got. Uh, they mm-hmm. take it, and uh, one of them says, "What do I do? What do I do?" And Hopper is just like, "Just fucking take it, man." <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Peter Fonda's like, "Here, just let me help you. Put it under your tongue, just like this, okay?" <laughs> so, I mean, like, their 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 characters, they're in character. I think it's partially just like how they are as, as people. You know, I don't know how much acting they're doing. You know, when they're doing that right. stuff, but they have a bad trip. Um, and yeah. it's uh, a creepy well, from the theme, theme. I got the theme. The theme I got was it was supposed to be almost a communion type theme, like religious theme, because they are, I think they're speaking the Apostles' Creed, which I know because I'm Catholic light, but uh, so that was part of it, giving out the, you know, instead of giving out the wafers, you're giving out oh, yeah. acid to acid everybody, tabs, yeah. And, and then, yeah, so that was kind of the theme of it. Yeah. It's also um, interesting, the the scene where Peter Fonda is... He's kind of like up hugging a a statue, um, a female statue, and and Hopper is kind of, you know, pleading with him to pretend, talk to your talk to it like it's your your mother who who committed suicide when you were ten years old, <laughs> and like just say all these feelings you've had about her, you know, and he and Fonda's saying like you know I don't really nobody knows this dude like I don't really feel comfortable talking about it you know and. Hopper like prods him and prods him and prods him to do it to get this emotional reaction. Yeah, and yeah. so he finally does do it, and so the entire whenever they it's a lot of like jumpy cuts and stuff, but you know they'll they'll be on Fonda for like a second and then away from him and everything. But he's when he's talking to that statue, that's what he's saying. Um, and then there's one scene where he kind of like turns his head a little bit and he says like "shut up." He's saying "shut up" to <laughs> Dennis Hopper and like the cameraman <laughs> who are like talking like as he's trying to act. And so he's saying shut up to them to like be quiet, but they filmed it, kept it in the film. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a really weird, weird scene. Fuck's um, sake, man, you're amateur. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess Hopper and I, I forget the cinematographer was really good. Um, what uh, the fuck is it with you? Yeah. They yeah. won't shut up. Well, I think, I think, well, when uh, Peter's like, why should I do this? I think Hopper's like, cause I'm the fucking director. And so he did do it. Like, cause it was like, Peter was the, producer and and hopper was a director so yeah bankrolled it yeah yeah that created some tension um well i guess so moving forward you know um well yeah they just take the trip and then the trip ends and then they're on their bikes again like 
So there's like no, yep. like there's no denouement to that scene. It just the trip ends. We don't know what happens to the girls. Like it just ends, and then the girls are gone, and then they're on the bikes again, heading to Florida. They're headed towards the parish line, perhaps. Dum dum dum. Um, and then uh, pretty a pretty kind of quick and out of nowhere. The um, yeah, sport. Uh, you know, um, well, tr- the final warning, final camp scene. Oh, there's another camp scene. Yeah, what do they? What happens in the camp? Scene? So, so this is the final camp scene. This is this. <laughs> so they finished shooting, and they like wrapped up. They had their like rap party and everything, and then like two weeks go by, and they're like, "Oh shit, we never filmed the final camp scene." <laughs> and they had already gotten rid of the bikes and everything. So in this camp scene is the only camp scene where you don't see the motorcycles. So it's because was that at the the Native American burial ground where that it looks like an old um... no that was with uh, that was earlier that was with the uh, hitchhiker that was way earlier okay. yeah that oh, was yeah, with okay. the hitchhiker I was like, all right the, no this is the scene where Hopper's like you know we've done it man we've done it we're rich you all right yeah we're great oh yeah. that's right oh yeah okay. and Fonda just says we blew it we blew it we blew it so let's let's finish up and then let's go back to that quote so yeah. So that's that scene. Yeah, and then and then we're we're back on the road by the kind of by the levees. And we've got um, Bob, uh not Bob, we have Roger McGuinn playing Bob. Yeah, it's uh It's um, all right, Ma. So Fonda wanted Bob to put this music in and he said no, but he said if Roger McGuinn covers it, you can have the song be in the movie because Roger McGuinn's the only guy that can cover my song with any actual competence. And yeah, and it's a pretty dramatic. Scene. So there's, there's, uh, they are, they aren't the sort of yokels from the diner, are they? They're different ones. No, they're different ones. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're different rednecks. And once again, they're, they're random people that Hopper just saw, like, like they were at like some gas station or something. He's like, hey, that guy's got a giant gourd. Like, yeah, have him be in it and have his friend do it. Like, <laughs> and so that's how they were cast. Yeah, and, uh, and so. Kind of quickly and violently, um, Hopper is shot um, by the passing by the passing pickup with a with a gun out of the out of the yeah. pickup, and just um, you know he's 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 not dead immediately, but he's mortally wounded. And by the way, these guys weren't professionals. They didn't even know. So the shotgun was a real shotgun, and it was a real. Instead of they put all, they took the shot out of it, and they put like uh, rock salt like, or uh, toilet toilet paper in it just to give it the pressure. But there's still enough powder to, to when it came out, it did actually hit. I think it hit uh, hit one of the, the riders, and uh, so yeah, they weren't quite skilled at that point on doing actual stunt work they were using real Blanks. shotguns but just there was a blank but that kind of like but a, they had a, the wad in there as a, 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 a redneck blank pretty much like oh we'll see what happens here but it it it, it actually did hit one of them and and uh raise the skin at least so interesting. yeah so he's so he's laying there hopper's laying there bloody on the on the side of the road and um, Fonda, you know, cradles his neck and says, "Like I'm, I'm gonna go to the hospital to get help." And he whips his bike around, um, which I'm saying, like, don't head back in the direction of the truck that just shot that guy. Like, well, and then the truck turns around. So yeah. They're, now they're headed for each other again. Right. So they're headed for each other, and uh, the they shoot again, and they just 
he goes in a ball of fire. Um, you have a quick flash of of like red on the camera, like right right after he shoots. So, oh yeah, that's right. And uh, and they're and they're dead. Um, yeah, and then you have the the mass uh, pull up, which they used a helicopter to film, um, pulling up away vertically from the from the street. Um, and Ballad of Easy Rider is playing in the background. And um, yeah, it's interesting. You can see what like Man's Highway and the Natural Highway there, like the river is like right next yeah. to it. And so the lyrics yeah. of the song and- go right to it. And yeah, it's it's a yeah it's a helicopter shot like panning out. Um, yeah, and so Bob once again Peter Fonda wanted Bob to write something and he just got out of like a napkin or whatever and he wrote the first stanza to this song. River flows flows to the sea wherever the river goes. That's where I want to be. Flow river flow and he just like handed it to Fonda. He's like here, give this to McGuinn. He'll know what to do with it. And so McGuinn wrote the rest of the song. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> And they were having some issues with the uh, panning out with the helicopter. They had a helicopter using the camera to, to show the the bike in flames, and it was so heavy that they're trying to counter counterbalance the helicopter and having issues. And anyway, they got it to work out and to where he could, you know, pan, you know, uh, el, you know, climb elevation as best they could. And uh, yeah. it was kind of a little sketchy, but uh, they got it done. So. Because there was a, there was also a premonition in the uh, acid scene where they they showed that bike in flames, where they were in the um, right. cemetery. There was a oh, premonition yeah, good there. Too. Right, good catch. Yeah, forgot to mention that. That's good. Should we go back to the "We Blew It" line? Yeah, sure. What what so what does "We Blew It"? What do you guys think "We Blew It" means? Because it's never explained. That's the whole point of him. He didn't. That's all he wanted to say in the movie. Is he didn't want to uh, get into it. So I, I guess everybody's got their own theme of what they want to, how they want to look at it. So that's, it's, that's, it's, I, it's I, you're asking that right now. But yeah, that line was tough because, like, I, you know, they, they didn't. Other than getting to New Orleans, there didn't seem like a, a, a big point to their, um, you know, like it wasn't the Lord Hero's journey of any way. Like they weren't, they weren't mm. headed towards something. Well, the goal is to they've made this big score and they're gonna like retire or whatever in Florida. Um, so, but but they haven't blown it. They can still they they didn't lose all their money, right? No, they didn't lose their money, but they they blew it. So what is what is what does that mean? I, I don't know. What do you think? So I what I I think and um is that. You know, the the entire time they're like anti, uh, anti-establishment, anti-conformity in like every form, essentially that it that it is presented to them in the film. So whether it's like the police, or you know the the local people that they come across, or even the commune, right? The commune, maybe in theory, like seems like a countercultural thing, but there's still like this structure to it, right? And they're still like getting a little bit of shit from the guy, you know? It's like who who sent you, man? You know? And, Right, there's still like a form of like leadership or somebody they gotta like listen to, right? So they're they're complete anti all that, right? But when they made that first deal, that first drug deal at the beginning of the movie, they sold out. Okay, they sold out to the all man right. to make the big score, to make the big monetary score. So money is the vehicle to freedom. So if they're if still you, within the system. So they're, they're, they want to be free, but they, they're, they're, they're the only way they think they can be free is through that, that score, that money that they got. 
And so they that to me that's what the my, we blew it is right because being free is like more of a mentality right it's in more of a way of of like living it's not a monetary thing so that's how I took the we blew it yeah and 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 maybe like uh, like a lot of the race or latent kind of um, counterculture or Vietnam War you know, commentary criticism they they leave it to the viewer to. Um, yeah, they don't explain anything um, yeah. much at all in the movie, that, aside that, from Jack that, Nicholson. That, that might have been intentional for like each viewer to view how they blew it or you know, to, to read and to project. There's a few um, different ways yeah. you could look at it. So I've, I've seen some commentary like they blew it by not staying at the commune. Like that was the actual like salvation or place that they should have stayed. I never took it like they were like meant to be there, though. Like They didn't seem like they were meant to be there. No. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, no, this, this film was, this film was, um, you know, it, it kind of, uh, it, it's pretty dark at the end. Like I, again, I hadn't, I hadn't remembered how it ended and I was like, yeah. Jesus, like, well, like I was saying earlier, I think it's dark and it, it, it's a really good reflection on the United States in 68, 69, right? It's a dark time. Yeah. And That's tomorrow. And that is it for us today. Not right on a teleprompter. No, there it is. We are going to do sting. Yeah. Okay. But Okay. Yeah, I can't read it. There's no, there's no words on it. Okay. Any trip? There's no words there to play us out. What does that mean? To play us out. It's, Sting is going to do. It's a video. Sting video. What is for credits? I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean? To end the show? Yeah. Yeah. All right, go, go. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it. Again, five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a. I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Here we have a very special caller on the line. Leave all this in. Before you leave. You should really, seriously, leave this in. <laughs> oh, we have a special call here. Hello, you're on the air with Napalm in the morning. Is this is this Monica? Yes, long time listener, first time <laughs> caller. Oh, oh yeah. wow, <laughs> Matt. Do you the, the uh, being a woman who needs no introduction, but Maybe for our listeners. We should give her an introduction? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is my mommy, Monica Yeagle. Thanks for uh, calling into the show. Your cat just crawled up on my bed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she's finally warming up to you. Good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, we, uh, you know, Matt wanted me to uh, with tease you with some of this. Hey, Grandma. Yes? You know that song, right, Mom? I'm not sure I do recognize that song. <laughs> oh, come on. It's your era, not my era. That's uh, Moby Grape. Hey, Grandma. Uh, yeah, so we wanted to, we, we wanted to, you know, you were, 
you were there. This is the soundtrack of your generation. Um, and we wanted to, we know and that. The film of your life, Yeah, that really. you, you loved this movie. And so we really <laughs> wanted to hear it from the horse's neck. Well, first of all, when this movie was made, I was 15. Okay. The, <laughs> and um, the age of those girl. gals in the, in the, in the, in the New Orleans uh, diner. Correct. Right, yeah. Who were fascinated with. Hopper. Ooh, it's a motorcycle. Ooh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I was a lot like those girls, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mom, you want to walk us through, like, uh, yeah, yeah. a couple maybe key points for you in the film that stuck out, uh, good or bad? Well, being a mother, I was very concerned that he never wore his helmet, hardly ever. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and I think my point is really um, made as, as, a, as a 15 year old. You were really concerned with that, or this is <laughs> well, no, in, as a mother, looking upon back, rewatching, okay. It, Matthew will tell you that I always, always when he was safety riding, first. Bike, he like, yeah, yep. safety that first, wear your helmet. I was the one, and I'll yeah. bet you that George would have been would not have died if he'd gone to bed with his helmet on when those guys attacked him. <laughs> So he should have been. He's he got to sleep in the helmet. helmet <laughs> I guess yeah. we never thought of that. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, you make a fair. I mean, I can't counter that. You can't really argue with that. That's... Yeah, yeah. You, no. would, you wouldn't be dead if you slept with the helmet. What, what right. did you What did you think of the uh, commune scene, Mom? Oh well, you know, I I live on a farm and I live in a rural area, so the way they were planting was, you know, it made me laugh. It was just so unbelievably stupid. Um, the way they were doing their seeds, they were just randomly walking down these very dry fields, just sort of casting who knows what kind of seeds. It was ridiculous. Yeah, you were telling me, like, well, you know, the only thing that could really grow if they're doing that is some kind of, you know, weed or something like that. Well, I was thinking maybe like a cover crop or weed or something, yeah. but, I mean... Whenever I garden, I usually have a pretty methodical system for how I, what I plant and how I plant it. So, so, so from the from the uh, green thumb side, you give them you give them thumbs down. This was not not done well. <laughs> well, not only for that, I mean, <laughs> the 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 acting they were doing, <laughs> it was really stupid. Um, <laughs> Monica, this was Grizzly Adams who was in that scene. Oh. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was one of the he was one of the uh, aforementioned hippies. Um, I didn't realize that, but you know who he reminded me of a little bit was Charles Manson. <laughs> I sort of thought he looked like we, him. We've a mentioned bit. him already in this. Yeah, podcast. this was his favorite film. <laughs> Did you know that? Um, and, and, and now I did recognize some of the music. I was telling okay. Matt that when I was a 15 or however old I was when this came out, uh, we used to hang out at the ice cream shop, and I remember listening to some of the music. The Pusher Man was certainly one okay. that I remember. Steppenwolf, yeah. And don't bogart yes. this joint, that joint, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can remember seeing that with my friends walking home at night, you know, from whatever we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of um, what kind of impact? I mean, was this did this make an impact on you? Like, were yeah, were you people guys talking, talking about, about, about it? School? Yeah, like 
this movie? Yeah. No, it wasn't anywhere on my radar until I was older. Interesting. But you were a nerd, um, though, right? So that should be I was clarified. interested in Woodstock when it came out and was tuned into some of that, but... Monica, were you I a narc? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I was... No. Uh-oh. Now, um, now Matt, go ahead. Matt, Matt's, Matt's dad, your husband, may have had a different view of this movie. Or, or, or not. He would have been into the music, for sure. Yeah. Actually, I talked to Mark about it on the phone after coming here, and I knew you two uh, and Eric when I saw you at dinner the other night. We were talking about it. Um, I called my husband and I asked him what he remembered about the movie, and his take was really actually quite similar to mine. We both felt that it really wasn't about um, hippie culture. We felt that it was more about drug culture, and we felt that it was okay. more. Um, about motorcycle culture, it's definitely a dude movie, um, in my opinion. Well, there are a couple women in the movie. <laughs> it's a it, well, it, there are prostitutes. There, yeah. Well, yeah, but it's a movie that guys would like. Um, That's a fair point. Know. And Fonda had just come off of other like kind of Hell's Angels kind of. Uh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. He was in the Trip uh, before this, which is also another sort of drug movie. Hmm. So, so mm-hmm. the so were those were there are those divisions in the kind of well, there's the counterculture, but there's there's kind of the the drug part of it, and then there's the kind of serious um, maybe communal living who are trying to do it right, or was that is that the the problem you I see was, with this? Well, Eric, basically, I just thought the movie was really stupid, and <laughs> I couldn't believe that it, it got any Academy Award nomination. <laughs> at all i did not know that until matt told me that i was like you've got to be kidding me uh Um, it was nominated best supporting actor jack nicholson and uh it was best cinematography is that right troy um for now i'm forgetting i believe so yeah he he did a nice job though i mean the scenes the way it looks though mom are you are you going to argue that it looks bad biking through the southwest that's beautiful right like i thought the cinematography was fair I think the best thing in the movie was Jack Nicholson, hands down. I I think the movie was the first part of the movie. Nick, 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 Did you know? (laughs) Did you know that Rip Torn was supposed to play that role? No, I did not know that. Mm -mm. I know. I'm actually. Well, we'll tell you that about this movie really ever until you guys started talking. (laughs) <laughs> if you want to know the backstory of that, you'll have to uh, listen to this one. It's posted. Yeah. Oh, well, I will. Of course, I'm on it. I wouldn't miss this for the world. Good. Okay. So, so <laughs> we, we, before you go, we want to get uh, one thing we do on this on this podcast is we rate the film from from one to ten, ten being the best, and we use as our as our as our rating system instead of stars, we we give it dong. Which are the the Vietnamese currency, as everyone knows. So, out of out of out of ten dong, Monica, how how many how many dong do you give Easy Rider? Maybe four. 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 Okay. Harsh. That's uh, that's wow. in USS Christmas level. That's. Um. Yeah, I didn't really like the movie that much. Um. And even the end of it, well, it was just really depressing, which was another reason I thought it was a bit of a masculine movie. It's very dark 
that the you know they all die it, that's a good just, that's a good criticism how gendered the movie is like this is before you know women are seen as sort of agents in in history or cinema in so many ways yeah yeah the good i think days, we talked we about like that the other night at dinner how hippies like to think they were enlightened but in, in their own way i think they were kind of chauvinistic yeah, I mean, the free speech movement, civil mm-hmm. rights movement, I mean, those are all have been <laughs> shown to be pretty... Male-dominated, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for your dong rating, Mom, and... Uh... And what, how many dongs did you two give it? Oh, we I'm haven't just... done ours yeah, yet. Yeah, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to listen in while we, uh, let's, let's go with Troy. Troy, why don't you, you go up first. How many dong you need to give uh, E.T. Ryder? Well, I'm, I'm just going to say, just in general that a movie that has such a great soundtrack in my opinion or compared comparably speaking to a lot of other ones plus decent cinematography like if you you could make if you have that those two things you can you don't really need much for acting um i'm i'm to get it to at least to a five so that's that's i'm at i'm at a five because of those two things the, the Monica effect on Troy. Man. Give it a five. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, she, I had to go, I'm, I had to step it up a I'm little. I'm bringing you guys down. <laughs> okay, man. No, you're fine. You're good. You're, um, you're, you're, Yeah. So, uh, I'm not scared of my mother. So I'm going to, <laughs> I, I think from a lot of the reasons we've, we've talked about, it's, it's a significant film and it is not as far from a perfect film. I, the first, half is is certainly worse than the second half it it picks up but once jack gets on on screen essentially the the film picks up yeah um quite a bit in in terms of like quality of obviously the acting um and and, and just the story gets more interesting um you know hopper and fonda they don't ask themselves to do much and therefore they don't do a ton uh in the in the film uh, it, you can tell it is a movie made by stoners for stoners. Um, and that, that stuff all comes across. Uh, it's still a significant film. I think it still is a really great snapshot of the era and the period of time uh, that it was made. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to go 7.25 dong. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, you'll have to correct him later, Monica. Um, I, I think uh, I'm I'm a bit on board, maybe more with Matt uh, than with Troy and Monica. That that the some of the the way it's shot, it's it's kind of visually interesting. The soundtrack is 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 about as good as it gets. You know, you've got you've got some awesome actors in 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 Hopper Nicholson, and um and I like the subtlety of some of the. It doesn't like the 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 race overtones or the Vietnam War overtones. It doesn't like you know it it. It avoids that. It makes the viewer kind of. Um, we have to work at it. Right? Yeah, right. You have to come up to with us. like we blew it. You have to figure out what what did we blow in the movie, and um, and then and then I I I'm a I'm a I'm a dark nihilist, Monica. So apologize. Like I I think the ending was was great in that it 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 subverts what you think is maybe going to be like. Hey, these guys are going to make it. They're going to go out and like, but like no, uh, this is going to be and and I think some of that. Some of that uh, idealism has, you know, it's a good representation of how that was, that, that had been worn away and would worn its welcome. Right. So um, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this eight dollars. Wow. wow. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're up there. 
Well, I respect you both, so I guess I have to reevaluate. <laughs> no, no, no. You, I like, you're stick, fine. Stick I with mean, it. Yeah. You got Troy in your No, camp. yeah. You're, um, you're, I like your <laughs> brutal honesty. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. Tell me what you're really thinking. <laughs> well, thanks for calling in, Mom. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me to All be right. on your show. Go pet the kitty. <laughs> we want you to come back. <laughs> I think I think we we need to you're, you're gonna be a new guest. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay, everybody. Have a good was, evening. That was bye. Bye. Bye mom. Bye bye. That was adorable. Hey grandma. Yeah. No, I mean um, She doesn't know who Moby Grape is. That's really sad. Oh <laughs> I mean, jeez. Yeah, I mean that's what happens when you do it like this, Matt. For us today, and we will leave you with a Let's do it live. Do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. <laughs> do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Right. Fucking thing sucks. Yeah, that's, that's basically our podcast. Five, um, four, three. <laughs> hey, we have one, we have one, uh, we have one final segment I don't want to forget. Nope. Book of the week. <laughs> Thanks, Mark and Mira. Book of the week. My, my whole family's joining in on us. Uh, yeah, we're going to get Jess in the... Uh, Imagination, the American counterculture of the 1960s, 1970s. This is an edited volume. Uh, Troy, I'd like to show you the book since we have a camera now. It's so a very trippy. So, uh, there, there you go. You there like we go. That? You can see it. Whoa, man. Whoa. Nice. Uh, nice. Psych- psychedelic cover, bro. Um, yeah, so this is an edit- edited by, uh, man, I can't even read their writing because it's so psychedelic. Let me look at it. Uh, Peter Bronstein and Michael William Doyle. It's a terrible font. <laughs> uh, it's a you know, typical hippie font, whatever. Um, yeah, so edited volume, as I said, seeks to um, kind of, it's kind of looking at, this is, sorry, 2002 this came out, okay? So it's a little slightly dated, but, I mean, there's not a lot of actual, you know, historian historical look at, at this era there's not a ton of it there's some um but this is kind of the the conservative critique of like the counterculture that we just saw in the film is that like in its aftermath it led to sort of the you know the the idea of the rugged individual i need to get mine right and the and and consumerism and i think there is a you know i think there's a degree of truth to that um i think a lot of hippies did turn into those like, well, I got to get my piece. You know, look at the '80s, right? That's yeah. Um, this book is arguing against that, um, and because it's an edited volume, you're getting like sort of different. I think there's twelve different snapshots at different sort of, I guess, topics or 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 themes. Um, it's sort of divided into two periods. So you have the early phase, which in the book starts in 1964, uh, and sort of like the the sort of optimism like you know this is the sort of jfk we, we're gonna go to the moon uh type of stuff and it's the it's the beatles okay. on ed sullivan and that period ends in 1968 with of course the most depressing thing ever the election of richard dixon um and so that's the first half of the book uh last liberal president we've had richard nixon and that then the <laughs> And then it goes into the, the second half covers, you know, 68, 69, up until up into the early 70s. And in the early 70s, you have, you know, which is the quote unquote counterculture previously is sort of fragmenting. So you have it then, then sort of sort of grouping into things like, you know, uh, women's rights or like uh, um, uh, race, race, racial rights, um, 
gay rights, things like that, right? These these are different, you know, adv- adv- advocacy groups, if I could speak, um, that are that are sort of forming by the mid seventies, and th- those will sort of carry on as we move into the late seventies, and you know, I, they're still sort of around today. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting look at a lot of this stuff. I think my honestly favorite section is if you're if you're a you know music head like me, look at the Jeff Hale section on the White Panther Party out of Michigan. Uh, the White Panther Party. There's a White Panther Party. Yeah, the White Panther Party <laughs> is is so they're in Ann Arbor and they are sort of not started by but um John Sinclair, who's the manager of the band, the MC Five. So the MC Five, famous for Kick Out the Jams, um, famously. I don't know, not that famously. They're not that famous. Kick Out the band, Jams, but, motherfucker, um, to be exact. Right there, you go. Thank you, Troy. Um, uh, so <laughs> the White Panther Party is is sorry, I ruined your White Panther Party. <laughs> sorry to ruin your um, White Panther Party. Sorry, I didn't want to bear it there. Uh, totally ruining, totally ruining book of the week. Um, it is. <laughs> these are guys that are kind of like living the quote unquote communal lifestyle. Like they, you know, they all live together. The MC Five, they all live together. You you make money, you put it you. You have money, you put it in the jar. You need money, you take it out of the jar. That sort of shit, right? And so, um, it looks, what could go wrong, right? Well, it looks, you know, it lasted for a few years, you know, until like the FBI and shit started busting everyone, and John Sinclair got thrown in jail for for having two joints on him by undercover cops. Um, so, yeah, I've done actually kind of major research on this topic, but um, uh, that was in my younger days. Uh, but yeah, the, so the book you get a bunch of different stories like that in this book, so it's pre- it's pretty cool. Um, so check out our book of the week. Once again, imagination, the American counterculture of the 1960s and 1970s edited by Peter Bronstein and Michael William Doyle. Book of the week. Hey, and, uh, for napalm, uh, hit us up on our, on our social. What's that, Matt? That's it. Uh, at napalm podcast on the Twitter. That's right. Um, we're not banned yet either. So yeah, we're still there. Yeah, we're still, we're still live. We're still tweeting. have not gone to parlor. No. Yeah, what's our parlor account? So, um <laughs> if you if you would be so kind, friends and enemies, um give us that hit that like button. You know you want to do that. Give us that five-star review. Yeah. If you want to type out a review talking about how sexy our voices are and <laughs> how how much you'd love to meet us. Uh and how you're really looking or just forward how to edifying the podcast bit. Yeah, or, yeah, you know, I'd really like to take a class from one of these idiots sometime. That would be, you know, <laughs> let us know. Um, if you feel otherwise, don't do anything. Honestly, just, it's not worth your effort. Like just see, you make a fair point. Yeah. I mean, just be angry and like punch a wall. Okay. Don't hate. Listen, hate, yeah. listen us. I love hate. I dare listens. You. Yeah. yeah. Those are, those are some of my favorite. Yeah. I used to do that with Rush a lot. Yeah. That was, <laughs> those are good times. Mega dildos. I do. <laughs> well, I don't think you do. Cause he's, you know, what's it called? Oh yeah. Dead. Um, Oh, I, I thought Rush the band. No, no. <laughs> I meant <laughs> Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> I hate listening to Rush all the time. I fucking hate it. <laughs> you can still hate that, that Rush. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm a Dr. Joe. What a terrible podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dr. Yeagle. I'm T-Roy. Troy? Yeah, and join us again for Napalm in the Morning. See ya. I love the smell of great pump in the morning. Dangerous for us, I'll bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Good morning, Vietnam! You let me worry, man.
that green beret. Napalm in the morning. Your first, last, and only podcast for the Vietnam War through film.